first and foremost, thank you all for showing up today. Um, it's a pleasure to see everyone back in a room again. Um, hopefully, you're all going to get a lot from today's session. So a bit about me. I am John Smith. I'm a senior channel manager at IntraHive. Uh, that means I am responsible for a lot of the relationships that we identify with key partners, strategic relationships like the one we have with Consadia. So my job is to identify organizations where IntraHive can provide part of something, the other partner can provide the other part, and one plus one makes three. Together, we create an end-to-end -end solution that provides more value than the individual components. And that's kind of where we've got to today with Consalia. So IntraHive, as many of you will know, we will do a lot of the relationship side. So we're identifying those relationships that, that exist within your organization, generally those that are largely invisible. We'll help you to show those. We'll help you to map the strength of those relationships over time. So we give you that initial picture. What Consalia can then do is take this information and tell you how to take it to the next stage. Um, I'm going to wrap my bit up very shortly. I was brought into this, as you can probably tell, fairly last minute. So a lot of the main sort of meat of this presentation is going to go via Brian, and I'll let him introduce himself now. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. Oh, good. Um, I also was not the person some of you might have been expecting. <laughs> so we're a bit like the Tom and Jerry show where the two of us are. So Dr. Philip Squire, who was uh, meant to be here, unfortunately is on a plane somewhere and therefore hasn't made it in time. Now, I say that that's just happened would not be true because actually I knew a few weeks ago that he had got this logistics problem. So he didn't just drop me in it. So um, I'm doing the presentation on his behalf in my own way, in my own interpretation of it. Um, and I just said to one of the guests here that don't shoot the messenger, okay? So that's, that's my vote for sympathy from, the, from you in, in that respect. Um, what is, is interesting is that we are partners with IntraHive, but we're also a customer of IntraHive. So we're a real user of IntraHive uh, and their services and products that they provide. So it's a... Uh, from that point of view, we're not just a partner. We started off as a customer, and I think that relationship, realizing that we had something to bring to the table, each of us, to help you in this area of the relationship capitalization, the value of relationships, and how do you measure the, the, the relationships you had. What always troubled me is how do you value the relationships you have, or how do you actually know the relationships you have? Often in my experience is that an account manager will come to you and he will say, I've got a great relationship with XYZ. And you'd ask the question, well, what about ABC? Well, I don't know ABC. So and maybe ABC is a better relationship to have than XYZ, or you need both of those relationships. So I think this whole area of relationship and the value of those relationships is really critical. And it's one thing I think that account managers have really struggled with, and organizations have struggled with in their ability to actually understand the value of it. So hopefully in this presentation, I'll give you some insights into the things that we've looked at and with IntraHive and how we work together or how we were aiming to work together. And what I'd say to you, this is not a finished uh, product to deliver, this is work in progress. And if you want to join the journey, then please join it. And I know a lot of you have joined the journey with IntraHive and with Consalia, um, but maybe not with us together. So we're, we're on this journey together to really explore how can we really measure relationship value and how does that actually work, okay? Um, so, without ado, let's just have a look at what we're going to cover. So I've already mentioned it's important. It's important 
even more so with the constraints of COVID. Again, talking earlier on, people were saying about how the way we work has really changed. Some would say for the better, some would say for worse, but the reality is the relationships we have, and particularly for salespeople, has been really challenging. That ability to actually sit with a customer, have that conversation has been really tough. And you know, I've worked with a lot of salespeople, taking them through the master's program that Consola are involved in, and the frustration of them not actually being able to have a conversation face-to-face -face has been really evident. You know, jumping from one Zoom meeting to another has really been a challenge and been very stressful and a feeling of loss of control or loss of being able to have that interaction. So I think in the context of what we're looking at is we're still in this pandemic. We still have people like Ryan who's got COVID and I think there's a few other people who dropped out of this session because of it. So we're still doing, struggling with that. But we're also seeing that people generally, well not generally, but a lot of people are quite happy working from home which is great, you know, work-life balance and all of that sort of thing. But the reality, there are times when you need to have that face-to-face -face interaction. And it's really understanding those constraints which are around it. So we're gonna explore that in a little bit. And the emerging science of relationships. So how IntraHive and Consalia are working together to really understand, rather than it being a somewhat subjective uh, a value that we put on it, I remember, my days when I was a key account manager, the decision-making unit, and I would put a number against that relationship and say it's great. And I was talking to somebody earlier on and said, yeah, our perception is we have a great relationship. When you actually go and talk to the customer, they think very differently. So it's very arbitrary about how we actually manage that and how we look at it. So putting some science behind it, making it actually something measurable, and I think the measure here is not just the quantity of the interaction, but the quality of the interaction that we have in our relationships is absolutely critical. Okay, so that's what we're gonna look at today. Um, I'm gonna to start by sharing with you, and for some of you, you may have seen this if you've been at the Consala GST, but I'm gonna share with you what we call the space curve. Now, when the pandemic broke out in March, we as Consalia started looking at what the hell was going on here and trying to understand what was happening in these interactions between uh, salespeople or uh, customers and, and so on to see what was really happening and how uh, companies were actually dealing with the pandemic. So there was a lot of research we did in talking to customers and the experiences they had, and we came up with this space curve. Not every customer went, has gone through this, but you probably can relate to this, is that what space standing for survive, so first thing most people did, they went into survive mode. How do we actually keep the organization going? So you had furlough, layoffs, cost reduction, all sorts of things. How do we keep going at the bare minimum, but keep the organization going? So first step, survive. Second is, so how do we preserve what we already have? How do we preserve those customer relationships? How do we preserve those partners? And you know, you probably all got your own stories of how people have been very creative in how they maintain those relationships and how they've worked. And then you get into, okay, we need to move fast. We need to be agile. We need to be fast out the blocks. We need to make things happen. And we actually need to come up with new solutions, new ideas. And then ultimately, you come out of that and you merge stronger, more purposeful. You have a greater purpose and actually grateful that you've survived. Now, this curve gives you an indication of how 
businesses and their revenue, their profitability went. Not every organization went like that. I think we have some colleagues here from Royal Mail who actually probably the curve was completely the other way because people were using post and, and that more so during COVID. So the curve didn't follow that line. But they still had to go through this process of surviving, preserving, and being agile, co-creating, and emerging out of it. So thinking about relationships, we need to really understand that at this point in time, in COVID, this is a really unique, compelling time for us to be able to manage our customers through this curve. And you could argue that customers are still in somewhere in this curve. They're still trying to work their way through it. Some who may be reacted very slowly to the situation, but they're still coming through that curve and the way they deal with it. But the relationship that has gone on or the relationships have changed and how we as salespeople have interacted with customers to help them manage their way through that. So you have to ask yourself, so what's actually happened to what we call this relationship capital? What has actually happened to our relationships during this period? Have they got stronger? Have they got weaker? Have they actually changed in the way they operate? Because the fact of life is a lot of people are very happy working at home. And therefore that changes the dynamics of the conversation and the relationship you build. And you know, you, we all know about the great resignation and all of this. And, people very happy to have this better work-life balance. So how has this relationship capital actually changed and how has it affected our sales performance? So let me share with you uh, some research done by Gartner around what the impact of COVID has been in terms of relationship with key customers. So three key facts, there's more to it than this, but I just pulled, we pulled these out because we thought they were key. 41% of key accounts have been affected by COVID. I was quite surprised. I thought it'd be a lot more than that, but it's still a significant chunk which have been affected by COVID-19 one way or another. 53, surprise, surprise, have purchased less than half of their suppliers total offering during 2020. And that may not be a surprise either. As they pull back, they don't need everything that's being offered, but the dynamics of it has changed. And probably the most telling one is this one is that only 7% of key accounts considered their suppliers' key account managers as a business growth-focused advisor. So their relationship wasn't one where they felt that that person was helping them grow their business. So back to the space curve, what were they actually doing during that space curve? Were they just in survival mode and not really looking to understand that the customer needed help and support? I'll share a little, well, very short story. I, I was at a sales conference with a cruise line company a few weeks ago. And if you imagine cruise line business got shot at through, through COVID, et cetera. And the MD of the company was asked, so what did you learn? What did we learn from going through the pandemic? And it was interesting what he said, three things, deeper relationships, humility, and new opportunities. So he, that's what he identified. And you can imagine that business as it is, had a terrible reputation because the Princess cruise ship was the one which really hit the headlines. You know, nobody wanted to go on cruise ships. And I'll tell you, they still got COVID on the cruise ships now, so I'm not advertising it, but they, they still have it on there, so they control it pretty well. But that is interesting to hear 
from an industry which was hit probably as hard as any, that they actually recognized that deeper relationships, humility, so compassion and that ability to find new opportunities. So they've come out of it uh, on the way out and they actually seem to be growing back to normal figures. So it gives you an idea of what was going on. So if this is what customers were saying about key accounts, what sort of relationship was actually going on here? Yeah. So this definition is from Dr. Phil Squire. This is from his book. This is his definition of re, re, uh, relationship capitalization. I'll let you read it or I'll read it myself. Relationship capitalization is the process to capitalize the value of the client's contracts and the network of people and organization that represent employees, clients, partners, suppliers. It is explained as the value created and maintained by nurturing and managing good relationships. It is therefore a predictor of current and future value, key accounts, and as such can be measured. Okay? So that's the definition of relationship capitalization. It's looking to put a value on those relationships in order to help you understand where you are in terms of, are you in a good place, okay place, or a place for significant opportunity? So there are, looking at any key account, what we're suggesting here is there are three determinants of value. Two of them are fairly obvious, which you would already uh, hopefully be using. So what sort of contract type? What's the legal constraint you have with a customer in terms of length of contract, size of contract? Um, what are the break clauses? So that's a key component of understanding that relationship you have with a key customer. The second one is what do they actually give you? So what's the financial contribution? And I would be very surprised if there are many organizations don't have a handle on at least these two. Although I am sometimes surprised when I talk to organizations how well they do understand the financial value of each uh, customer they have. So sometimes they don't know that or they don't know it to a sufficient level. But the real area of interest is this relationship contrib relational contribution. And there are some, you may not be able to read all the questions, but the most important thing here is how do we value the relationship contribution that we get from a customer or, or where we are right now and what's the potential going forward? And there are five things here. So where and with whom do the relationships currently exist? Which is something, thankfully, IntraHive now have the ability to help you with. The how often are we in contact with the customers, IntraHive? And then what is the values do we express in the way we sell to these accounts? So this is a bit where Consalia come in, where we use what we call a mindset survey to understand the quality of the conversations and the values that we offer. And what relationships do we have throughout the organization? And what is our NPS score? So these things together we are looking at between the two of us to say how can we put a measure across those five areas and help us do that. So we've got the sources to help us do it, is how do we come up with a, some sort of benchmark in which says we're in a good place, there's opportunity, we're in a bad place or whatever. So it's, it's a way of being able to benchmark, be able to measure where we are, be able to compare one key account with another key account, yeah? So in order to help you maybe for, just to put, shed some light on it, as I said, Consalia is a customer of IntraHive. So I'm gonna share some sample data, not telling you who the customer is, 
but some of the information that we are now able to draw down to understand where we're at. So first thing is the level of decision maker. So we can now see who we're interacting with in the communications that are going on. We can see what out functional areas they are. Uh, we actually found with this customer, the person who had the most second most level of contact was our sales coordinator. She had more contact, so she was the second highest level of contact and we never realized it. And not just at her level of people, she was having contact across the whole range of the organization because of the nature of her role. Now how important have we put a measure on that or actually really understood it? But when we realized the, the level of interaction she was having and who she was having interaction with, it was an eye opener for us. So it really made you focus your attention. And this gives you a trend analysis to tell us, so what's the level of we've, we've had progressively over a period of time. And these points here give you an indication of the level of contact points we're having. The question that this doesn't answer, were they good? Is that level the right level or not the right level? It's really understanding where we are going and are we progressing in the, in the right way? The third information we've got is more about who we are contacting and how frequently we are contacting them. So are we contacting the right people? Are we contacting them the right amount of time or are we not actually contacting them at all? And again, a lot of work we do, you know, you, I, we work with an IT company who's one of our customers and the sales guys say, I have great relationship with the CIO. And often you say, well, what about the CFO and the CEO? They're actually got a much broader perspective on what they want from the business. Where's that relationship? And often that is missing. And they sort of think, well, it's decision making the CIO and often it's not the case. So again, this is just giving you some flavor for what we're able to look at and understand. We're not a large company, but being able to manage some of these large customers is really important for us to how we understand who are the relationships with, how frequently they, uh, we contact them and so on. So those three pieces of information, just a snapshot, gives us that quantitative analysis of our relationship. What it doesn't tell us is actually what are those communications we're having? What's the quality of those conversations we're having? You could argue the quality of who are we talking to? Are we talking to the right people? You can get from this, but what is actually going on in these conversations and what is the perception of the customer in the way we are communicating with them, how we are selling, how we demonstrating values, etc. So the Consalia piece of this is what we call the mindset survey. Now this is also based on work from Dr. Phil Squire. And for those who know, but the, he, in his doctorate, he identified that customers are, um, expect to be sold based on a four positive mindsets. Authenticity, client centricity, proactive creativity, and tactful audacity. Those are the four things that they are looking for and that's not just pie in the sky, that is research from interviews we did and we've repeated it with a range of customers to show that is the case. What was the shocking thing that in many cases, the actual expectation of those mindsets being demonstrated was less than 10%. Yeah, and that still exists today. I talked about this cruise line customer, we did some research with them two years ago and they got a similar answer from the customers they interact with as well. 
So, oh, I forgot to say here, a large range of decision, what, which, when time and resource is limited. So how do we manage those relationships and time to do it? So here is the mindset service. So this is just a visual of what you would get. So we are looking to our perception of our relationship. Are we demonstrating positive mindsets? We're also asking the customer to assess us on the same criteria. So a series of questions which will get them to look at, are we demonstrating as salespeople positive mindsets or negative mindsets? So what we call the winner's circle is where you want to be is in this centerpiece. You want to be seeing evidence of those four mindsets, positive mindsets being delivered. What you don't want to see is some of these, the negative ones being manipulative, being supplier-centric, got a target to hit, end of the quarter, got to get the number, so get the number however I can, bang. Overtly arrogant, you know, I know this customer so well, I know he's gonna give us business, you know, and I'll tell him to give me business, possibly. Complacent, maybe we think we've got all that we can get. So those are the negative mindsets which customers do not want to see. So we can get an idea by doing this mindset survey, it's an online survey that you, you can actually do. You can go on to Consalia website and, and actually trial it so you can actually see how it works. Um, but basically here what, with this same customer, we can see that actually the, the, the gold ones are our self-perception, uh, the blue ones are our self-perception and the gold ones are the customer perception. So you'd probably argue that we're actually not in a bad place with this customer. That is the average score though. That is not telling us more than this is our overall uh, quality relationship with the customer or not. Here again, you can break it down into individual scores to see you can see there is a range here. So average is always dangerous. Yeah? Any questions on that? Does that make sense for those who've not come across the mindsets before? Can you give me an example of tactfully audacious? Okay, so being tactfully audacious essentially means that you turn around to a customer and say, you know what, I don't actually think that's what you need. This is what you really need. So it's that ability to be bold, brave, and courageous. So it's, it's quite an interesting tactful audacious. It's not being aggressive. It's not even being assertive. It's just being tactful, but being having the courage to actually say what you you believe and being honest with them. You can't actually be tactfully audacious if you haven't actually demonstrated authenticity and client centricity. You have to have those two, because essentially what those two give you is trust. And until you demonstrate trust, you can't be tactfully audacious. You will be seen as being aggressive or, or you know, pushing the cut. Yeah, does that help? Is that okay, all right. So that is the mindset survey. It's a way of being able to measure the quality of the relationship by using these indicators. What you're looking for is to obviously have your results in the middle here, in this area here, but even here you can see there's a spread, so you need to understand more about what's going on. So if you take the two together, we've got the quantitative analysis coming from IntraHive, and we've got the qualitative analysis coming from the mindset survey. And on top of that, we can also look at the NPS, the Net Promoter Score, and see what's going on there as well, because that's an indicator of quality as well. Okay? So that's really where we're at. That's what we're, 
working on. That's the journey we were on. How do we take the qualitative, the quantitative, pull it together to say this is where we are with this particular account? What is the benchmark we're working towards? How does that appear against customer A versus customer B? Yeah. Food for thought. 